Great coaches ask great questions. Best days at work are the days when the light bulb goes on for somebody else. Welcome back to On It, Not In It with Todd Eppert, the owner of Focal Point Business Coaching of Ohio. Hey, Nick. How's it going? Oh, living the dream, Todd. Living the dream. How are you? Excellent. Thanks. It's been a good month. Now, looking at last month, we talked about the value of coaching and the returns you can expect as a business owner who goes out and hires you to be on their strategic team. Now, this month, I actually put a real example of that. I'm going to pretend like I just opened up a lemonade stand and looking at some of the, the barriers we saw last month, I'm hitting the revenue growth barrier. I can sell 50 cups of lemonade a day and I'm just bouncing off the ceiling, right? So when would I engage you as a lemonade stand owner? Um, when you're hitting that revenue, when you're hitting that ceiling, when you're bouncing off of it and saying, I want to grow, but I don't know how to do it. Now, if you're happy running a 50 cup a day lemonade stand and it provides for your living and you have a good lifestyle, that's a good lifestyle business. And if that's all you're good with, then you probably don't need a coach. That's but it's when you want to do something different that you need to coach. Gotcha. And let's say I do. And let's say the guy next door or two doors down, Jimmy. Let's just call him Jimmy for okay. sake of argument. Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy. He has his own lemonade stand and then he's doing 300 cups a day. And I want to get to Jimmy's level, but I'm bouncing off the ceiling. What's some of the recommendations that you would look at at least with my lemonade stand? Sure. So um, in, a, in a good strategic plan, we're going to do a couple of different things. First of all, we're going to want to understand what's your vision for your business. So you just gave me your vision. It's to go from 50 cups to 300 cups a day, right? That's a, that's a vision statement. Mm-hmm. You picture yourself as a six times bigger business. That's a vision statement. That's a pretty big business statement too. Yeah, <laughs> it's a pretty big business statement. Now the question would be how long do you want to do around that? Those would be some things that we would talk about. What's a realistic one-year goal and things like that. The next thing we might talk about is a SWOT analysis. So what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are your opportunities? And what are your threats? Right? And so that's going to also start to think about putting Jimmy in the mix because one of your threats is Jimmy, right? One of your weaknesses might be that you have an inferior product to Jimmy because mm-hmm. if he's selling 300 cups or his marketing is better or his sales process is better, that's going to pull out some of those weaknesses and threats. So that'll start to give us a roadmap of what do you need to work on. That makes sense. Now looking at the SWOT analysis, you said weakness, threats, S. What's S in that? Strengths. Okay. So str- weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Okay. Gotcha. So strengths and weaknesses, those are things I control then, right? Yep. And, generally. And then opportunities and threats, that's external? Yes. Correct. So as a lemonade stand, just on this in there, let's say that I'm using Crystal Light Lemonade and Jimmy's over there using Fresh Squeezed. Mm. So one of the things that you might come back and say, Nick, one of your weaknesses is an inferior product is he's using Crystal Light, you're using Fresh, or backwards, that I'm using Crystal Light, he's using Fresh Squeezed. So yeah, what I might, I might change a little bit differently. Please do. So a strength of yours might be that you have a very repeatable process. Because oh. you use a cup of Crystal Light every single time. Sure. Right? It's, it's very easily teachable. It's very easily repeatable, right? Um, but a weakness might be that people in your community prefer fresh squeezed and therefore you're not offering a fresh squeezed option, but there are strengths and weaknesses in both cases. You just blew my mind. <laughs> That's huge. Cause you're right. With training, I can train a scoop user and I can train a squeeze and oh, I just blew my mind here. Now, what other analysis do you usually use when you look at the business as a whole? So we might look at other things like what is the growth opportunity in the area? What if the whole area's opportunity really is 350 cups of lemonade a day? Well, you're already covering that. That means you're going to have to figure out a way to take market share from Jimmy rather than grow organically another 250 cups of lemonade growth, right? It's different models. 
Um, so we may have to talk about that. We may have to look at uh, maybe you serve five different kinds of lemonade. We might need to do an 80-20 analysis and look at what what is the one piece of those lemonade types. And I'm using five as an example because mm-hmm. generally 20% of your products will drive 80% of your revenue. Right. So, and if that's the case, then maybe we should, again, lop off those other four like we talked about and really focus on how to make that one the best opportunity that we can make. And then we can significantly grow it, pick our lane and swim in it. Right. So that's a really specific example of what we talked about last week mm-hmm. about um, if you got five different kinds of lemonade, you may be, or maybe you got lemonade, iced tea, and four other beverages that really aren't. We don't much. do iced tea here. I'm it's just making lemonade. it. Let's up. be real. Yeah. Right. Well, this is a pretend business. Remember? No, this is real. Oh, this, this is, is a actual real one. Advice. Yeah, I'm okay. thinking about starting this. Out. Okay, no, all right. Part. So, okay, so SWA analysis. <laughs> you look at market share and growth opportunities in the area and 80-20 rule. Yep. You said something last time I kind of dig into that you actually do personality screenings too when it comes to executives and owners. Yeah, behavior. It's yeah, behavioral style uh, screening. So we use I use DISC with my practice. Uh, DISC is more of a behavior. Um, and let me just give you an idea. Um, DISC has been around for a hundred years. I don't want to go into all the details, but it is the oldest of the assessments. Everything else was built from DISC, basically the science of DISC, uh, in general. In general, um, and so we use those to really figure out. Okay, let's say the the business owner, as an example, is a really strong dominant influence player. Mm-hmm. Okay, that probably means that they have a weakness in process development. See. Yeah, no details. They're probably they probably you know don't really focus on. That's just generalities. Mm-hmm. And so, if we're going to take that lemonade stand from one person and they're a DI, uh, and they want to hire someone that if they teach them the process, they're going to follow that process repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. Follow orders, do what they're supposed to do every single day. They probably don't want to hire someone just like them. Right. They probably want to hire someone that's a stronger S or a C. They can teach them the process, show them how to do it, and then they'll follow that process very, very well. And then leverage those skills. That that comes at a hiring decision. And you get a little bit more of a balanced team as well because a team of all Ds or a team of all I's or a team of all S's or a team of all C's is probably not very healthy. It's dangerous, especially eliminate stand in the startup phase. It's the bad part of group think. Yeah, no, think about it. no, it makes perfect sense. So let's say I do go and make the hiring decision. I go hire the CS personality and bring them on and we do the onboarding and suddenly they, we make it to like 75 or 100 cups a day. So as businesses are growing, as my lemonade stand's growing, outside of looking at the market, outside of looking at the startup SWOT analysis, how do you continue to use analytics to, to guide me as a business owner. So, man, you just made a strategic decision without even making a strategic plan. How? You just hired another person. We didn't even talk about putting big rocks in your, your plan yet. Okay, well, fair. <laughs> but at the same time, you said you go find a C person. So I found John well, down the street. Well, you asked about assessments. So I was just answering your question. Okay, you're right. So, so let, let's take. I, let's say that we had the assessment conversation. I used my disc profile, went out, find a CS personality on board. And then okay. grew right? So, so that assumes that we're going to grow our business by adding some employees. Is that usually the play? Not always. Really? Yeah, not always. What other options do I have as a sole proprietary lemonade stand to grow it? So let's go back to that 80-20 analysis. If you're spending um, 20% of your time to drive 80% of your profits, I would want to know, is there anything that you're doing that just doesn't need to be done anymore? Iced tea. So as, as an example, let's take the five products or five kinds of lemonade that we talked because you don't serve lemon, iced tea. No, no, no. <laughs> but iced tea, no. that time for that owner is they have to make five different drinks every single day. They have to have five different storage containers. They have to do all of that work to set up their business every single day. Mm-hmm. If they pick one product and they just make a, a 55-gallon drum of the same thing instead of five 10-gallon drums of five different things, it takes less time. It's more effective. And maybe they can sell through it much more quickly because they're better at it. So they may have some opportunities to make their own personal time more effective. Then we may think about, okay, we still need to make a step improvement. Let's go hire the employee. 
And that's where we might go next. You just blew my mind again. Because that's kind of where Chick-fil-A and Cane's kind of falls in line, right? They do one thing really, really well. They don't offer hamburgers because right. that's a different business. Right. And it's a different probably storage of the food, better different suppliers, different way to cook things. Right. So let's say I do that. And I go and I say my A20 rolls, 80% of my revenue is coming from my pink lemonade versus my yellow lemonade. So I cut yellow lemonade from the menu and I now make pink lemonade. And I scale, but I took some revenue hits, but I'm doing pretty good. And it's deciding now to make that hiring decision. You said something earlier that it was a big stone or a big... A big rock. What does that mean? Yeah, so when you do a strategic plan, you, you want to... The first thing you need to look at is, okay, I've got a three-year plan or two-year plan or whatever your vision takes you out to. What are the big things you need to do to make sure that you get in that direction? I call those rocks or big, big rocks. Um, it's taken from a lot of different philosophies, a lot of different books. But basically the rocks, they're called rocks because once you put them in place, they shouldn't move. Mm -hmm. They're big rocks, right? And you won't achieve your vision unless you get your big rocks done. Now, we'll take those big rocks and turn them into quarterly priorities, daily, weekly tasks, different things. And so... That big rock could be, um, as an example, if you wanted to make your business six times bigger as your lemonade stand. Correct. Um, one of the rocks might be, we need to add a secondary location. Mm. Okay, I don't know, I'm just making that up. No, it's Maybe great. we need a secondary location. So before we do that rock though, we probably need to hire some people in our first location, build some processes, and those are the rocks that we would have in order of when they need to be done and priorities from there. And then, so the first priority might be Simplify our product 80, offerings. 20 rule. Right. 80 20 rule. Then we're going to master that pink lemonade recipe. If it's crystal light and you can sell 300 cups of crystal light pink lemonade, then you've got a, you've got a great business plan. Chances are, though, you're probably going to have to do something different there. And, and then you're going to have to standardize the process to something that you can teach, hire somebody, bring the employee on. And then that employee can now run stand A while you go put the energy and effort into opening stand B. That's huge. So, so there's a whole bunch of steps in there. That no, no, that's huge. And looking at those steps is tactics inside of the bigger strategy. Yes. So you said something, looking at my lemonade stone strategy, you think two years out, three years out? I mean, how far do you usually take a strategic plan? Yeah, so it really depends on the industry. In today's world, I mean, look what happened two years ago with the pandemic. Everybody's strategy changed overnight. Yeah. Right? It, it pivot Guilty. all over the place. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't recommend going very extremely far out. So if we want to go out, if somebody says I want to quadruple my business, I'm going to tell them realistically, do you think you can do that in a year? No. Okay, well, let's, how, what's realistic? That's three years. Okay, we got a three-year plan. Let's talk about the next year. And then we'll work on a quarterly level to get those priorities and actions. And they should take their quarterly priorities and turn them into really weekly and daily actions. Gotcha. So you're taking the strategy for a year, breaking it down to smaller chunks like the tactics, and then assigning what actions need to be done to hit those tactics. Correct. That's huge. That, that's a really big statement. So looking at some other of those big rocks, you said hiring is a big one of them, analyzing your A20 while doing product mixes. Is there any other big rocks you see yourself talking to about with clients? The other big rocks are really going to be driven by what the client wants to do. Um, what is their vision telling them they need to do? I don't know the answers. They may have to invest in an IT system. They may have to bring on a marketing agency. They may have to, uh, like I said, they may open a secondary location or expand their existing location or whatever. Or maybe they just go from one shift to three shifts. I mean, I don't know about Jimmy's stand, but is anybody selling Eliminate from midnight to eight? Oh. I don't know. No, but it's a great market. Is there demand? I don't know. <laughs> right? I mean, look at Court Street, Ohio University. Everything's open until 4 a.m. for exactly. that reason. No, exactly. That makes a whole lot of sense. All right, so let's, let's flash forward. I looked at the Big Rock conversations. I put the right personalities in place. They they ran home base. I went and opened up four more stands, and now I'm rocking out 500 cups of lemonade a day. I achieved my strategic vision. I don't need you anymore. Right? 
Well, what do you want to do next? Well, I mean, retirement's probably in the, in the future for me. Is that something you talk about often? Um, so yeah, that's always on the list. So as you start to achieve things, the question becomes, okay, what do you want to do next? And do you need to continue to get support to do that? Mm-hmm. Right? And if you've got what you just sold, what you just talked about, you may want to consider, do I want to create this as a sellable business? Again, go back to that very first question I asked. If you're happy selling 50, 50 cups of lemonade a day and it's a lifestyle business and it provides for what you need and that's all you want to do, just, just do what you need. It's too stressful to grow a business and sell a business. Just do what you do and close it when you're done. You'll be happy, right? Now, this is going to go against society and digging into society for a second. We in America, we are temporary misplaced millionaires is, is how most people view themselves, right? Like, I need to be the biggest. I need to be the best. I need to grow this thing to 10,000%. That mentality of I'm just going to have my lifestyle business and run it and live a more stressful life or stressless life, that's kind of counterintuitive to the American dream, isn't it? But the American dream isn't for everybody. And it's, I mean, I'll make a bold statement here. That's like telling high school kids, college isn't for everybody. Mm-hmm. We should stop telling our high school kids that college is for everybody. Absolutely. Right. No, I have a <laughs> right? podcast about that. Yeah, right. Exactly. No, for sure. Exactly. So, so, I mean, the American dream is, yes, we are all, it's keeping up with the Joneses. It's, it's all the analogies of, of life. But I think what, when you really get down to it, if a, if, a, if a person that's working for a business today and they're working 50 hours a week and it's corporate and their boss is telling them what to do and they live in fear of the pink slip or whatever you want to call it in today's day and age, right? It's probably not a pink slip anymore, but it used to be. It's an email now. Right, it's an email. If you, the, yeah, the impersonal email. We, your services are no longer valued yeah. here, right? But, I mean, for those folks, a lot of folks, that's the, the, that's the folks that a lot of times start the business, right? They've, they've got a career, they've made some money, they've got something to invest to get started with. If they can build a business where they can live near a beach, work you know six to eight hours a day, make a good living, a lot of people are okay with that. Mm-hmm. So I am not take that. My point is, there's a lot of small businesses out there that are fine being lifestyle businesses, and they, if they don't have any dreams of growing or selling or achieving results, they can't get on their own. They don't need coaching. It's the folks that when they get to a certain point. So go back to your question of now I'm at five locations, five hundred cups of. Do I still need you? My question is, is have you reached a point where you're done or do you want to continue to do something that you can't do on your own? Now, let's say my original strategy plan was 500 cups or 300 cups. Now it's 500. What? And let's say I am now 24 years old and now I have this lemonade empire, right? So what other conversations would you be having with that business owner who wants to continue to run their business and be involved with it, but is also looking for something new? So believe it or not, even at 24 years old, I would ask the question, what's your exit plan? At 24? Yep. There's you, no way. You've built a successful business. Uh-huh. Well, the point of it is, is uh, you know, oftentimes it, there's a lot of analogies around this, but when you think about when you go to buy a house, when do you make your money on a house? When you sell it. Nope. It's when you buy it. How well do you negotiate? What is your long-term vision for that house? Okay. How long are you going to live there? Right? How do you figure? Because the better you negotiate on the front end... You're controlling the price of the, the unit that you're buying, uh-huh. right? Right. Then you don't know what you're going to put into it, but you might have a plan. You might go out and you may buy a fixer-upper for mm-hmm. a really low market price mm-hmm. that you're going to go put a bunch of sweat equity and then sell your house for a lot of more money. It's because you made the decision to buy a fixer-upper. Yeah. Right? It's what's your vision. So. Oh, my gosh. So go back to that 24-year-old. Have you, do you have an exit strategy? What do you want to do in your business when you're done with your business? Now, most people at 24 would say, I have no idea. Right. I'm right? 24. <laughs> I'm 24 years old. I have a successful lemonade empire. Okay. Do you want to be a lemonade empire person for the rest of your life? No. Okay. So when do you plan to leave? Oh, man. 
Um, next, ah, probably two more years in this. If I can get up to 700 cups, I'd feel ready to exit. Okay. So what'd you say to that? Do you think your business is ready for you to exit? No, definitely not. Okay. Then we'll talk about what we need to do to be, prepare your business to have a successful exit for you and for the business. Because many small business owners, they get to a point where they've grown their business and someone walks through the door and they say, I'd like to buy your business. And they go, how much you want to pay me? And they say, a million dollars. And they go, I'll take it. Now, there's usually a lot of strings attached to all of that. But let's use one of the, let's use one of the things. It's the, the hub and spoke or the owner mm-hmm. dependency model. If Nick is the reason why you're able to sell 700 cups of lemonade and the business sells to somebody else, guess who's sticking around? Nick is. Nick is. There is no exit for Nick. Or Nick's going to sell it for a significant discount because Nick's leaving. Because you're just selling a book of business at that point right. or whatever it Or is. there's no value at all. Right. Right? So that's the kind of work we have to do next is prepare the business for exit. Final question then. Looking at where we're at with our lemonade stand empire. I, I ran Jimmy out of business. I actually acquired him a while ago, and now he's a part. That was one of my big stones I had to do. But let's say that there is this huge medical analysis that comes out now that lemonade, especially pink lemonade, is really bad for your health. And my sales just tanked 200000 Now I need you again. What does that conversation look like? So, so actually, uh, go back in time before all of that happened, before that thing came out. Um, so when you build the empire and you've acquired Jimmy and things like that, you knew, that's why you need to regularly update your strategic plan because there's a new swath that needs to be done. What are, your, what are now your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats? What is now your goal? Did you change your goal to be 1,000 cups a day or is it 1,500 cups a day or what is it going to be next? So, so you got to continuously update that and continue to look at it. Now, taking your example, let's say you get to your goals, 700 cups, you've made all the numbers that you needed to make. Something catastrophic happens like a pandemic or I don't know. Have like, you heard of COVID? I'm right, not so sure. COVID, it's a major right. thing that happened. So those things happen. So the question is, do, the, the first question I would ask is, do you want to continue to do business? And, oh, yes. The answer is yes to that one. And that question goes back to, and I know it's really simple to just like kind of think about this, but th- those owners that have gone through that can think back over the three, five, ten years that they've spent building their business. And then someone cut their legs off from under them. The question is, do they still have the energy to go after it again? And do they want to go after it again? Because if they don't, I don't want to spend my time working with them because it's just going to be disappointing for them, right? Yeah. And so that's a good question to ask an owner. And so oftentimes in the, in the planning world of what do you do next in your business is do you want to sell it, keep it, keep growing it? What do you want to do with it, right? I, don't, I can't answer that question for you. It's up to you. Unfortunately, sometimes market forces happen, like a, a CDC, something coming out where the right. pink lemonade is bad for your health all of a sudden. Right, which God forbid. Right. So the question would be, well, how, how fast can you pivot to another product that you could use similar services with? So for instance, if you're making pink lemonade, is it easy enough to shift over to lemonade or to grape lemonade or to... Just well, nice tea. I know you're thinking else, about it. Right. Some other product that you could use all your same equipment, all your same people... And generally just change the recipe to make it a more healthy beverage and, and get past that market, new market wind that's got into your sales. It's kind of what we saw with Pepsi, right? I mean, yeah. Pepsi was selling a ton of Coke or I guess technically pop. But everything hit the wall <laughs> and now it's really bad for you. And corn syrup is, is Satan. So at this point, everyone transitioned like, how do we acquire water companies? Right. Like, same idea. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So that's exactly right. That's interesting. That's, that's huge. So how do you need to pivot your business? And do you want to pivot? And do you want to expend the energy to do the pivot and then grow your business back to what it was. And I bet you're going to find a lot of owners say no when they're hit with tragedy like that. 
Um, I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, there are there are owners that would say no. Right. Absolutely, that's interesting. So, now, yeah, how often should you update your strategic plan as a business owner? So, so I go back to the conversation. If they put out a three-year goal, we're talking yearly. We're talking quarterly, actually. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at those numbers every single quarter, and we're looking at is the one-year goal still appropriate? You know, as we're getting up to the end of that first year, okay, let's set the next year goal. And then that just sets the next quarterly priority ramp. So it really never stops. It really never does. You should be looking at your strategic plan quarterly at the minimum. That's huge. And I feel like it's a longer conversation. Probably is. Let's jump into that next month. All right, sounds good. Thank you for your time.